Hey there. Welcome to the Everyday Marksman, the podcast where it's all about tactical skills for living a more adventurous life. I'm Matt, your host. Our website's everydaymarksman.co, and today you're going to find our show notes about run and gun competition because I sat down with a few of our very own community members who've been recently running a few of these matches out in Texas and Arkansas. So I'm going to bring on Al, Alex, and Dave here in a second. I'm going to record this one last week or so, so this isn't like live or anything. But we talk about their experiences in these tactical biathlons, which is something that I had a guest post on the website a little while ago talking about this very thing, and, the, and it keeps circulating in the community. And people are doing more of them, we're learning, we're sharing information, and I'm doing one at the end of April, so I figured, why not bring on the guys who just did it and see if I can get a leg up on the competition next month. So our conversation is going to cover a lot of topics like gear, training, physical fitness, and lessons learned. Stick around for the show notes or a summary at the end. We'll talk about some key takeaways. So with that said, let's get to the discussion. Welcome, guys. It's a pleasure to have you here on Everyday Marks. It's always nice to have community members. Good to be here. Likewise. So the, the topic of the, of the day is run and gun events, the Waco tactical fitness or the gun run, which I'll be doing in April. Um, I want to kind of go down this rabbit hole here of what has been your experience so far. And then we'll dig into some of those lessons learned selfishly. I'm kind of cheating. So that when I go in April, <laughs> I get a leg up in the competition. I'm not, <laughs> not that good a shot. <laughs> So do your uh, hills, bro. Do your hills. Do, do the hills. <laughs> if, if as if I had any significant hills around me. But you like, all right. So you did it in Arkansas, which I'm going West Virginia. That's like cardio territory. Anyway, getting ahead of myself. First question. So about the why? Why would someone do this? Why did you sign up to do this? So I'll go to Alex first. Uh, so the short answer is Al called me out. The long answer is uh, I want to set the example to my kids that you can do hard things. Dave, it like I said, the doing something difficult was definitely a part of the motivation. Um, also, a big part of it was just like this is the most significant non-square range thing that I've gotten to go do. Even like two gun or IDPA type stuff is in a bay, mm-hmm. and this is like me in the woods with a rifle. So that's that was the main motivation. So uh, the next question I want to go, go down, go down a little bit is we kind of got the, kind of got the why on this one, you know, challenge yourself, do something, set the example for your kids. Uh, preparation. So talk me through like the, the call it the month or two leading up to when you first like showed up at the range to get going. I'll start with Dave. Um, the, the main thing that I was doing is I, I weighed all my gear that I was going to take with me. And then I would try to ruck with that much weight and do more distance than I was going to have to do at the race on those rucks. And um, that was complicated by a gear issue, footwear issue. <laughs> but but that was the, the idea. And then I'd mix in a little bit of running with those. That was the, the main. So um, so in your case, did you know how long the course is going to be before beforehand? Yeah, we knew that it would be five to six miles. Uh, not exactly, but I, my goal was to get up over doing six at a time. Okay. And uh, so you said your footwear was an issue there. What was that issue? <laughs> yeah, so it was initially a sizing issue with my like normal hiking boot. And on like a smooth trail, it's fine. But once you get, you know, 
some weight loaded on and you get on uneven terrain, then it's, it becomes hot spot city pretty fast. So I got a nice new pair of Salomons and they fit really well. And I was excited about that. And I got started with those. And again, on flat ground, they're great. But then I had an issue where my heel would slip up and down once I got on uneven terrain or had to, you know, step higher and that type of thing. And so that ended up just not working out as well. I, I tried and tried to make it work. Cause I was like, it just needs to break in, but no, it, it did not. So I actually completed the race in uh, some like flat bottom running shoes that I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Alex, what about you had your prep look for it. Like regret. Um, I pretty <laughs> much did this one cold. Um, cause outside of my normal, like strength, um, stuff, which I've been doing and, uh, going from tactical barbell into kind of doing some prep. It was mostly like treadmill hill programs. Um, not a lot of running because of a, a foot injury in my left foot. And then, uh, the occasional ruck to troubleshoot how things fit. And that's about the extent of what I did. Learn from my mistake. I'm actually curious to hear how um, we'll get into the fitness preparation part of this because because you, know, you you've been pretty active in the Discord server as far as like daily workouts and posting what's going on, especially with tactical barbell stuff. So we're going to come back to that one. Um, Al, welcome to the party, pal. Uh, so I'm going to go back to rewrite a question on this one. It was why did why did you sign up? Why did you want to do it? Um, because I like to test myself and I like to suffer and. Uh, that's exactly what that was, was tests and suffering and tests. So I just like push myself and see where I'm at and uh, see what, what I can do to, you know, improve here and there. And that's pretty much it. All right, cool. And then in your, in, in your case, we're talking about preparation. What did your prep, prep prep look like for like one to two months ahead of time? If you, if you did anything. No, not special. Just kind of ran pretty much what I had. I took a course that for the half a day, it, you know, we work on a customized zero and I did that night before I, I cleaned my firearms and lubed them. And that was it. I already had all my gear set up for the most part. Uh, so, so I'm curious for, for everybody kind of open, open floor here. It sounds like a lot of the preparation was, was fitness oriented with rucking and Hills and, and gym stuff and, and a little bit of zeroing with, with equipment. Um, how, how much y'all actually put in the time for like dry firing and, and like thinking about the stages? Uh, me personally, uh, I, I don't ever dry fire. The only type of training I do is when I take a course, which I try to do that at least once a month, pretty, you know, somewhat often. And, uh, I just read the course of fire one time and, and that was pretty much it. I didn't, I didn't try to memorize it or anything. Right. It went for it. How about Alex, Dave, what are you guys? I, uh, I mean, I went over it pretty carefully to, to, you know, be sure I was going to be able to carry enough ammo and that type of thing. Um, cause that lined how much you'd need nominally per stage and then recommended that you carry about twice that much. Um, also there were some, at least clues given on what the longest range targets were going to be. Um, it was going to be about 500 at ours. Uh, also they gave some indication of what the target shape was for that one. So I, uh, was able to pull that shape up in my ballistics app and, you know, get used to what that looked like at 500, not a ton of dry fire specifically. What about you, Alex? Uh, regrettably again, 
Uh, I did not do a whole lot of uh, rifle dry fire, but because the holster that I was going to take, that was the first time I'd used it in a match. I made sure to do plenty of draw stroke practice on it. Um, and I did some, but not a lot of uh, support side pistol work. Absolutely none on the rifle work. And that's, again, regret. So speaking of rifles, let's um, I actually want to get into what, what the gear is. So we'll start with the rifle. Um, we'll go, go to you Alex first, Alex. So you, I mean, you just did the one Arkansas. So tell me about the rifle that you, that you set up and took for the event. Okay. So the rifle I used, uh, is a factory made arrow 16 inch. It's still got the, um, the FSB look to it. It's fitted with a, a TA 50, which is the, the three X a cog, uh, in a crosshair, and I stacked a Holoson 508T, and that was the, I probably zeroed that, I think, at 25 meters about four weeks before I went to the event, and that was the last time I shot that rifle prior to the event. Okay. Uh, other stuff on it, it's got an Edgar Sherman sling. Highly recommend. It never slipped on me. <laughs> and, yeah, that's about all there is to say about it. Okay. Dave, what about you? Uh, on the rifle, it's one I put together myself. It's a pretty lightweight profile barrel, um, old ALG rail, which again is pretty lightweight. Um, I wound up with a heavier stock on what was my main lower. And so uh, not too long before the competition, I got one of the uh, KP-15 polymer one-piece lowers. And that worked out fine. So I was going for a lightweight rifle, and then I put two pounds worth of... Uh, vortex razor one to six on top of it and uh that bounces out it th- this is my main my main gun though it's uh uh like so it's got a flashlight on the end that type of thing i didn't like take anything off for the competition i just ran it as it is because you know that's what i need to learn i'm curious i'm curious how that how does that balance work out like even two pounds of two pounds of optic on a pretty lightweight rifle does that feel awkward at all no uh i think it's I mean, I, I definitely wanted the performance of the optic. Um, and, um, I mean, when I put this gun together, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that, it was it, in, a, in a very different form. But uh, the goal was for it to be lightweight, but still, you know, relatively per- precise for, you know, its size and weight. And uh, it's uh, done pretty well with that but over time it just sort of started accreting stuff onto it and you know i wound up with a ubr uh on the old lower and that was yeah just one day i picked it up and i was like my seven pound rifle is a nine pound rifle now (laughs) kind of thing and not the end of the world but i said you know if i'm gonna go to this race you know might as well get back towards where this started and yeah they uh i was glad for the one to six all right, and Al, and last but not least, what were you running? Um, it's a Daniel Defense, uh, the M4B7, uh, 16-inch. Put a Geisley trigger on it a while back, and it's got a flashlight on it. You know, I, I didn't, it, like, um, just like Dave, I, I didn't take anything off mine. You know, that's, that's my main rifle, so I didn't take anything off for the competition. Okay. Uh, the LPBO is a Night Force uh, Attacker 1-8. 
I'm going to interrupt this interview for a second to talk about our sponsor. Yes, this episode is sponsored by Ammo Squared. Ammo Squared is a ammunition service who's a little bit different than your local retail outlet or the kind of place you like to go stock for the best deal. Think of Ammo Squared like a 401k for ammunition. You can set aside a budget every month, automatically deposit it to your ammo account, your wallet, and then take that and then go find the ammo that you want and stockpile it for you. So for me, I set aside 50 bucks a month. I say, hey guys, go find me. You know, 20% of that goes to 22, 20% goes to nine millimeter and the rest goes to 556. And I can lay out specifications like no steel tip because my range doesn't allow it. They go find it, they build it up, they buy it and they stockpile it for me until I I want it shipped to my house. So it's been an awesome, really awesome service to have for the last year. I have built up a really healthy practice dash doing that. And recently they've added two features which I think are really awesome. First one is that you can send ammo to other people. So let's say you and me are both friends here on Ammo Squared and you want to send me uh, two boxes of 556, you can do that. You can use ammo like currency, which also includes settling ammo back if you don't need it. So it's two really awesome features. Come check out the website, everydaymarksman.co forward slash ammo for my whole write-up on the service I did before, or just go to ammosquare.com. Back to the interview. All right, so um, speaking of lessons learned, I'm gonna go for rifles here. So it seems like everybody's pretty much running a 16-inch with magnified optics. So, um, what regrets do you have about your choice? That I never practiced with it on support side. Okay, so support side shooting was like, so it's not even the rifle itself. It, it's just not practicing with it. That's, that's one of two. The other is um, the range limitations I have out here. I can't engage beyond 100 yards. To Dave's credit, that's a brilliant idea going into some kind of ballistic calculator. And if you know what the target's going to look like, start getting that that mental image of what the sight picture should look like for a target that size. Now, no, in your case, because you were running the T50 with the fiber optic, you mentioned it actually had bloomed on you, right? Uh, yeah. So on stage seven, final stage of the match, you're pr- from the way the range itself was oriented, I was probably looking into the sun and that's the part of the fiber on the ACOG I didn't cover. So um, going back and reviewing my GoPro footage, you can clearly see um, the two times that I actually hit the first target, I have covered the ACOG with my support hand because it's just too bright and I can't see where the splash around the target is. Dave, what about you? Any any, any lessons learned or, or regrets about how you, how you set up your rifle for that? Uh, the rifle itself, no, not necessarily. I definitely saw where uh, a first focal plane something like a one to eight or one to 10 would have been nice. Um, I'm still not quite ready to lose the one X on the razor, uh, go into another option like that. Uh, so I think my gun will stay as it is, but if I were going to build another upper just for running guns, it would have a probably one to eight. The other one was my ammo that I took. Uh, I, Honestly, in hindsight, don't really know why, but I, uh, for the long stages, I knew I was going to have to shoot. I took enough nice like match ammo for those. And then I had the impression that a lot of the other rifle targets were going to be a lot closer. Like you would see in a lot of like action shooting competition type stuff. And so, uh, I just was like, well, for hosing cardboard, you don't need anything but 193. So I'll just take a bunch of that. <laughs> and then all the targets were, uh, I, I would, it feels like at least 150 yards, which is not 
a long distance for 193 by any means, but uh, let me get into this later more, but like when you're gassed and tired and uh, sort of critically unstable because of all that, then, then uh, a C zone or whatever can be hard to hit. And so every little advantage I could have taken with me, I, I would have, <laughs> would have taken. So uh, next time I do it, I'm, I'm going to take uh, nothing but 75 grain. Okay, cool. And Al, what about you? Yeah, the ammo. Uh, I wish I had something a little hotter. Well, I, I did, but, you know, I didn't zero my optic for it because uh, kind of one of them things. I had a bunch of two 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 three PMC bronze, so I zeroed it uh, for that two two three, and it's, it's pretty weak. So I, I do wish I had some hotter ammo. I, you know, probably could have got to stretch out my zero a little further. It would have shot, you know, a little flatter. So I, that's the rifle piece. I actually didn't ask this one earlier, but what what pistol were you, were y'all running to? Uh, I was running a, a Glock nineteen uh, X. I got a G forty five MOS with a Hollow Sun five oh seven, I believe it is the open solar model. Okay. Mine was a MNP two point with uh, the the inaugural match for my Acro P two. Okay, so so running two people running optics and owl and running irons. I'll be running irons in mine. Um, CZP07. So touch on equipment briefly, just so kind of get a, get a lay of it, and then we'll get to how it was how it was carried. So what what load carriage did you go with? Start with Dave. Uh, I've got a Blue Force Gear chalk belt. Um, I've got a Tactical Taylor Mav split front rig that I took, and I just ran more mag pouches on that. Um, and most of them were rifle, uh, mags, but one of the double rifle mag pouches I used to cram four pistol mags into. So, and, and then water on the back of it. And that was, that was it. And plates or no plates? Yeah. Not, not for the Waco tactical ones. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. All right, Alex. Okay, so kind of similar setup. Um, had a blue alpha inner outer belt with uh, enough mag pouches from either Tactical Tailor or Spiritus Systems to give me two rifle and four pistol. And then on a split front Tactical Tailor Mav, I had a, another rifle magazine uh, hydration on the back of that. And then I carried some loose ammo in the two JSTA pouches from Spiritus Systems on the belt. That actually proved to be pretty clutch. I'm not going to lie. All right, Alan, I know you were all multi-cammed out. So what were you running? Uh, it's a cry ABS, uh, chess rig with, um, with their harness. So you can run it as a standalone chess rig and a blue alpha gear, just an EDC belt, um, that I, that I hung off, uh, a subload off of each side. Okay. I'm going to ask, how, how did the subloads work out? Cause this was covering a lot of ground. How, how did, how did that work out for you? Man, they did not move. They, they stuck in place. They actually worked, uh, especially the, the, the pistol mag side. I, I thought that one was going to shift more than the other side because it, it, it seemed to weigh more than the pistol. So they, they stuck in place. I mean, I was very surprised it, it worked out pretty good. So now I have a lay of it. All right. How did equipment work out? I'm just going to be curious, like what worked out? What, what are you going to change next time around? I am next time. I'm going to set up something that, that's more for running gun. Uh, so it'll be lighter in weight 
and just more uh, purpose-driven for running gun. So I, I will be trying that out next time. Dave, anything? Anything Overall, uh, my rig worked pretty well. Um, I kept the, like I said, two rifle and two pistol. Uh, so I had plenty of ammo on my belt for each stage, and then I would just backfill from the chest rig as needed. Um, the only kind of gear issue I ran into is very late in the competition. Uh, the inner and outer belts started to separate a little bit uh, just because I was crawling through a wood box or something like that, probably. Um, so I just need to add some more Velcro to uh, anything that is between the two halves of the belt to keep it tied down a little better. Um, yeah, other than that, it was fine. Cool. Alex? So belt-wise, I uh, can't complain. Uh, I really don't have that big of a problem with belts. Um, as far as chest rigs go, I think I'm going to break the internet and say chest rigs suck, <laughs> at least for me. Um, because I ran into a couple of problems. Uh, this is the second match I've run that, uh, that particular chest rig. And every time I use a chest rig, I walk away thinking this just gets in the way. The first time I ran that chest rig, I had too many mag pouches on it. So I had trouble holstering a pistol to the point where I felt unsafe. So I decided I needed to slim that down. Then I got to this um, combination of a history of back issues, plus going up hills, plus uh, starting out each stage with the least accessible mag in the gun. If I lose track of where it came from, as I did in stage four, I'm going to look to an empty pouch on my chest rig for the next mag that's not there. Going forward, probably just going to consolidate down to just belt-mounted equipment setups because I've tried and I just can't make chest rigs work. What's interesting about looking at what you all have posted about how these things went, I'm split on here. What's a more important thing as far as fitness goes? Is it this long-term endurance you can go rucking for miles and miles and miles at one go, or is it a little bit more about that intense activity for a little bit and then be able to recover from that fast enough to go shoot well? Yes. It's both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid it is. Um, I could say all of the above, but I think Dave has it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, all, it's definitely all oh. of the above. <laughs> okay. So, so tell, walk me through, Dave. So tell me, like, you know, what is that? What, what does it feel like? like? What's the experience like doing that? Um, for my race, uh, it starts off with basically just a two mile run. And then, um, you, uh, at the first couple of stages, they were pistols only stages. And so, uh, there were obstacles there. Uh, and then after the pistol stages, um, there was a little bit of climbing and even terrain where you go down into a Creek and they come back up out of it. And then you climb through some tunnels. And, uh, I mentioned all of that together just to say that, uh, I felt okay until I came up out of the Creek. And then it like kind of all caught up with me as I was approaching the tunnels that you have to crawl through. And, um, it, it was at that point that I decided that, or that I felt like the, the conditioning uh, or like cardio was not there. It's like, I should be able to just go for longer than I have already gone and be okay. And the only like huge exertions I'd had were the tire wall flipping a tire. And I don't think the climbs in and out of the Creek were that bad, but like it just keeps stacking on more and more and more stuff. 
And so I got to stage three with the first rifle stage and my physical state was bad enough that just trying to take sort of an improvised vertical hold that on any other day would just be super stupid easy. Um, stability was just not there. I wasn't even like necessarily huffing and puffing anymore by the time I got to start because we you know, got to the stage and waited a couple of, for a couple other people to go through before it was my turn. It wasn't necessarily winded, but I was spent <laughs> at that point. <laughs> it's like there weren't enough calories in me maybe, or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe some, some sugar or something to, to pet me up before that. But yeah. And that's, that was the biggest surprise of the whole race is that I could not just suck it up and hold the rifle still on a C zone that was 150 yards out from me or whatever they were. Biggest lesson learned. Movement to contact uh, is important during contact. <laughs> Al, Alex, what about you? What, what, sure. uh, how about you? Was your experience about the same? Yeah, so in Arkansas, um, right out the gate, yeah, it's it's a it's a big hill that man you got to be some kind of mountain goat to get up that thing and and, and just not be spent already and once you got up that uh, first stage is pistol stage and if you don't have to wait you got you got to shoot right away and you're not spent but you're huffing and puffing or at least i was and yeah if, if you know my conditioning was better which I knew going in, it wasn't that great to begin with, but if I had, you know, better cardio, uh, I wouldn't be huffing and puffing as much. Yeah, kind of like how Dave said, um, uh, my main deal was, I guess some heels just killed my leg. I wasn't having trouble keeping my rifle up. Um, so as far as my arm strength, upper body goes, I was fine. It, it was just uh, like from the, the, the lower back or mid back down and after stage five, Going down the hill, my legs were, were trying to buckle on me. Uh, I, it was taking every bit I had just to keep myself up from rolling down this damn hill. So uh, I'm guessing leg strength for this particular one. I, Waco doesn't sound like it's got heels like uh, this one. I mean, you're literally running on a mountain, up and down a mountain. Yeah, cardio cardio's king and a lower body strength would have been nice to have. So I'd say lower body strength or lower strength endurance would be another way to look at that one where it's just keeping the work up for a long period of time. So it, it, it sucks for for um, the first hour. And after that, it's just, I, I got to a point where it didn't matter what, what I was doing anymore. I was just pushing through it. <laughs> but So I'm guessing my grit got me more, through it more than anything else. So, so yeah. So, if, you know, if you have endurance, good endurance, you know, I guess you'll be all right. But, um, you know, if, if you have leg strength too, that, especially for the heels, that's, oh man, that's, that's, that's going to be a world dif- difference right there. Yeah. Alex, I'm going to go back to, I saved you for last because you and I have been following similar programs with tactical barbell and everything. So I'm curious how, what your take is. I'm going to say leg strength is key. Um, my Garmin is insulting me by telling me that first hill was only a 200 foot uh, elevation increase. I swear it's four times that, but (laughs) you have to do that up to the first stage. And then you guess what? You got to do it again after stage three before you get to four. And Oh, by the way, now you got to navigate through a forest and slash piles 
and all manner of other terrain obstacles, trying to find these little yellow flags to mark your path. Some were more visible than others. Um, and I felt like once I got past the initial hill, which sucked, uh, I harbor no illusions about that, but once, once I got past stage three and it's like, okay, now we're just going to go back up the hill. All right. Put the rifle in front of you just carry it up the hill. Okay. Okay. Now you're at level ish ground, sling the rifle back over and look for your next path marker. And after that, I mean, the only thing that really started to demoralize me was the amount of mud on the back end of the course. So um, if you were giving advice to somebody to go back and how to train for doing, doing a run and gun or a gun run, um, where would you say they should be putting their emphasis? Like if they're, if you're me, you've got about two months out, where should I be putting my, my emphasis? Man, I'd say cardio. Cardio and, and, and shooting. I mean, it say, we'll say, we'll say everything. Like where, where would the, where, if you had to pick the top three things of do focus on these three things, what are those going to be? Uh, cardio, uh, shooting, uh, steady, keep keeping your rifle steady. Um, and knowing you're zero. I, I guess those are my top three if they had to be three. I think, uh, cardio has to be in there. Um, for me, I just need to learn more about energy management, like what all plays into that and how best to sort of, you know, if, if I need to take some lickies and chewies or something like that to, <laughs> to have throughout the course to, to keep my energy level up, um, then that would have, that would made a big difference. And then, uh, uh, doing something like, you know, run a mile and do some burpees and then work a VTAC barricade. It is something like that just to, to get yourself into that, uh, that place where you're not able to be in total control of what your body's doing and then try and bring that control to, you know, dry fire or whatever it is you're doing. That's, that was the challenge. Alex, last word on that topic. Have good fundamentals of marksmanship over everything. Because when you're gassed, that's going to be the first thing to go. Mm. Second, know how to position, how to do support side positional shooting. <laughs> and third, do your loaded carries on hills. Got it. Okay. And then one more question. And this one's primarily aimed at you, Alex, because I, you, I saw you mention this like three or four times after you were done. But if you could have taken one more piece of gear with you, what would it have been? You're talking about all my rangefinder comments, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. Well, see, if I had done what Dave suggested and actually knew what my target sizes were going to be, I wouldn't have had to do that. Mm-hmm. But considering as though they posted the course of fire the Thursday before the event, and I got it as I'm flying back from Omaha that night, not a whole lot I could do about that. Okay. Dave, what about you? Was there anything else you would have taken with you? Lickies and chewies aside? Yeah. Uh, no, again, if I were if I were building or kidding specifically for the race, I think a first focal plane optic uh, to be able to back off a little bit. Like on the long range stage, you shoot from near to far 
So it's something like two, 250 out to 500, five different targets. And then you switch to your left shoulder and you shoot far to near. And uh, uh, it took me a while to uh, realize that I needed to apply a good solid wind hold for my nearest target. Um, I knew the wind. I knew what it was going to be for my long target. You know, it just didn't put two and two together that the, the mid range would matter as much. Uh, but then when I switched shoulders, uh, I had the hardest time connecting because I was fishing around for my eye box and, you know, it was just something that I had not worked on much. So, uh, the ability to back off and still have good holds and that type of thing would have been a help, uh, not, not necessarily make it or break it type of thing. You know, I mean, maybe this is over optimizing for something like this now, knowing in hindsight how it went, but like, do you think this would be a, a decent case or something like a two to two to 10 plus a offset red dot? Uh, for my particular race. Yeah, it w- would have worked fine. Uh, a buddy of mine ran with just that on his and, uh, um, he had different sets of issues, but I don't think magnification was was his problem. Okay. Um, just maybe a extra weight if you go that route. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, always trade offs, always balancing the weight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Al, what about you? If you could take one more piece of gear with you to make your life easier, uh, probably probably a little pack where, um, you know, I didn't think about it today. Brought it up, but energy management and you know take some lickies and chewies but also that pack can serve as just dumping your uh you know spent mags in there so yeah but, and i had it with me but i didn't take it with me but just a little pack um that, that would have helped me out a lot because I, I found myself uh needing more energy and i was pretty much running off of a, a hot link and some coffee that day because <laughs> I didn't know what to eat because I didn't want to barf everywhere. And I get there and then I didn't thinking I was going to run, you know, right away. Cause I don't know how these things work. And then they tell me, Oh, you don't run till like 1120. I'm like, Oh man, I ain't had nothing to eat since three o'clock in the morning. So when I posted that picture that I was hitting the road, yeah, I was, I was happy with a hot, a hot link in my hand and some coffee. And I hadn't ate since then. So yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I needed something to eat. So, uh, yeah, a pack with some lickies and chewies, you know, some type of calories and it, it also double as a, a, a dump pouch. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Hey, Matt, I also want to bring this to my, uh, to the audience's attention and that my experience was a little bit different than everybody else's because I ran early enough that I never waited. I had one stage mm. where I was behind one person mm. and otherwise it was as soon as I got there, I shot. Okay. That's good advice. All right. And this has been, this has been good. Hopefully y'all enjoyed talking about it. So thanks for coming on. All right. Let's talk about my key takeaways from this discussion. We kind of went all over the place. There's a few recurring themes that I kept hearing over and over again. And I'm going to pick on three things, three things I think make the most sense to to talk about. So number one, obviously is the importance of cardio. You know, I've heard a lot of instructors, especially those in the small unit tactics area, like Max MVT, talk about cardio is the biggest thing you have to have if you're going to be fighting in combat. 
And I've always heard this in lots of different ways, never specifically about what that means, like what good examples. And the reason I talk about this is because they say too many people focus on strength training. And frankly, I'm guilty of that too, because I don't like cardio and we do that at the expense of cardio. Well, I think this sounds at this running gun competition though, the Waco tactical fitness seems like it gives you a pretty good idea of the kind of cardio they're talking about. On one hand, you are going to have to move over distance under load for a period of time where that's two miles, three miles, six miles, 10 miles. Uh, on the other hand, you also have these short bursts of intense activity, like climbing a rope, going over a wall, crawling through a ditch and running out of it. And then you have to go shoot. So you have to be able to recover quickly from those things and then shoot accurately. So that's the cardio piece of it. Something else they kept talking about was leg strength. So this reminded me of something I read from General S.L.A. Marshall, published in 1951. He wrote a study for the Operations Research Office. I have it linked to in the show notes, by the way. Um, And it was titled Infantry Operations and Weapons Usage in Korea. And this is a whole review of how the Korean conflict was going, what was going on with infantry soldiers. And one of the points he listed out seems like it is just right up the alley here. So I'm going to quote it. The chief physical weakness of American infantry is in the legs, due in part to the underemphasis on the importance of road march and training schedule. So what this tells me, you know, going along with the running gun idea is that you have to train the legs, both under load, so rucking, running, all those victory legs, but also just straight up muscular strength. How much can you lift and muscular endurance? So if you are training along with me for the running gun in April, I have a whole train with me piece of the website going on now. So you can sign up and join the fitness plan. It's already started by the time this episode goes live, but you can still sign up and get the plan for yourself at everydaymarksman.co forward slash train with me. Um, I'm putting a lot of emphasis on this idea of muscular endurance and cardio. Okay. So I'm going to train for that. And number three is the marksmanship piece of the training here is that it seems like nobody put that much time into really doing dry fire and practicing their drills before the competition. Now, the round counts in these competitions seem fairly low, which means they're probably really difficult, if I'm being honest with myself. So I think the answer here is to combine not just regular dry fire practice on its own, which is important, but to also combine dry fire with the exercises. So for example, I'm going to email everybody doing the train with me here, but we're going to talk about this where I I think the best way for me to do this, granted, I have a home gym is especially on the Saturday workouts, which are going to look like some pretty crazy circuits at times is in between rounds of the circuits. When you've been doing push press and front squats and RDLs and barbell rows for like, you know, 50 reps each is in between stop and do a dry fire drill, work a VTAC barricade or a step ladder in my case in the garage and make sure you understand and can practice what it feels like to try and hold that rifle steady after you've been exerting a lot of effort and from a fitness standpoint. All right. I don't know about you. It's not practical for me to go for a run around my neighborhood with a rifle over my back. So I want to do the best that I can, but I do think combining these two activities is going to be a key to success. All right. And that's going to do it for me. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Come by the website, everydaymarksman.co. And I will hope to connect with you on another day. Take care until next time.